Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, my name is Ana Cecilia Gonzalez. I'm originally from Monterrey, Mexico. So uh, what I want to tell you today was is what it means, everything I went through and what doctors have considered uh, something absolutely out of order. Nobody expected for me to leave. I'm now 58 years old. But this means to science that there's really no explanation. Probably I'm not one of the only survivors with this heart condition alive today. Most of them, most of the children that were born with that have passed. So what happened to me, I had an amazing near-death experience when I was around 25 years old. But as time goes by and everything that has changed my life, I have really acknowledged what really went through during my childhood and how is it that, I, that I'm here. So I remember since I was a little girl, many moments in my life, which I didn't know how they were named, but I had out-of-body experiences. I had many spiritual transformative experiences that I didn't understand until after my near-death experience. I was with very little oxygen. I was probably with a, about 70% oxygenation most of the time. So in many moments, I nearly passed out by because my body couldn't warm up by itself when I was at the pool. And, and I had many experiences as a child that I now understand that made me see life very different since I was a little girl. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. When I was probably seven or eight years old, I was so tired of going to the doctor because I just was didn't understand why is it that was me and not my siblings. I was always constantly going. And back then, they didn't really tell you a lot like they do now. So one day, I just got to my parents. And I said, you know, I'm sick and tired of coming to your doctor. I don't want to come anymore. So in that moment, my parents told me, you know, you're sick. They explained to me how serious it was and, and that they didn't know for how long was I going to be okay. So without saying it, I understood that I was going to die. I understood that my that my life was probably short. And then I also understood why is it that I was constantly seeing this character that I didn't understand what it was. I called him a ghost. And then I even gave him a name. But every time I was in, in danger, I remember seeing this being beside me. And I even gave him a name. I called him Raffle. Why? Because 
In Spanish, you could say Rafael for a man and Rafaela for a woman, but I decided to call it like a middle name, Rafa. So at that moment when my parents were talking to me, I understood that I might die. But I remember my dad saying something. You know, this is a prognosis, this is diagnosis, but what if God has another plan? So that that little thought of doubt got in my heart and I said, well, yes, and what if? So one of the things that I know happened is that without understanding how life functioned, my parents, I really appreciate and I thank them that they never avoided me to dream about my future. So in my mind, in my heart, I, I imagine myself growing up, having a 15th birthday party and then getting married and then studying a college degree. And I imagine myself working and having children. So all of those things were in my mind, even though for a doctor, this was something. And they told my parents I was not going to be able to accomplish. So uh, I'm telling you this because in every moment in my life, when I was, I've been in the hospital hundreds of times, but I always remember that there was this dream and this thought and this visualization. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I had already seen it. And I saw it in my, in the spiritual mind. I saw myself as a grown up with a family, with a college degree, with everything I'm telling you. It has happened like that. So I didn't really, there was no, no surgery available for me at that time. There was nothing that they could offer as a medical, as a doctor to a child like me. So they were just hoping for me to grow up until there was something for me to be done. So when I was 15, I didn't really, nobody understood how I was still living and living basically a normal life. But I remember for the first time I had uh, endocarditis. So I ended up in the hospital. And there was four doctors. I had to, to go to Houston, Texas, because Mexico, they, they offered nothing for me. Neither the United States, but by that time, they were starting to have something that maybe could help my heart. But I remember doctors telling me, you know, you need to hang in there. Because maybe in 10 more years, just imagine, 10 more years, we might have something. So by then, I couldn't tell doctors all of the experiences I had been going through. For example, when I was a little girl, when I came out of the, of the pool, I remember very well that I, I was shivering so fun and so difficult getting air and getting warm in my body. And I remember being on the ground in a very hot floor, trying to warm myself up, just around family and everything. And I remember coming out of my body completely and looking at everybody around. I didn't understand where I was. I couldn't tell this to anybody. I can tell it to you now because it's clear to me I was having an out-of-body experience. And I saw my families, my siblings, everybody there. And suddenly my father came running because he knew I was having a hard time. And the moment he came and hugged me so hard and started caressing me and warming my body, I remember coming back to my body. So nobody knew I was going through a, a hypothermia and maybe almost even dying, but but no, they just wanted to warm me up. But I remember having these events several times in my life. Another day I remember it was probably after 
my endocarditis when I was about 16 years old, 18, going with a friend in a horse who we were riding horse, but it was very, very cold. So I remember holding the, the riding end with my friend on one side, and I remember seeing Raffle there. He came every time, just in these different moments in my childhood. I was about 16, and I remember looking at him on my right hand, and there was this being, which I call him ghost, but I was not going to tell my friend, you know, there's a ghost here riding with us. But I, I remember seeing him and I was just getting so cold. I shut my eyes and I, I hardly moved. So when we got to to my friend's, um, to the camp where everybody was, I remember my friend's mother coming, running because I was completely purple. She held me, she took me off the horse and dragged me all the way inside the, the room into the fireplace and trying to warm me up. And I remember Raffle, this, this ghost, which I now understand it could have been, or I mean, I'm sure now that it is Raphael, the archangel, which was always watching me there in these moments. So back then I couldn't understand what was happening, but I grew up, so I, finally I, I had a boyfriend, I got married, and miraculously, I had a beautiful daughter. She was born with four pounds, a very little girl, but she was perfectly healthy. So you see all of these processes that how could this be? Of course, Raffle was always there. And I didn't understand what was it. It was my imagination. Even when I was more than 20, she was born when I was 23. And just after she was born, is when my heart finally had to be taken care of. So it was not 10 years after this doctor told me, just hang in there for 10 more years. It was nine years. I went back to, to Houston because my I couldn't, I was having a very hard time breathing. My daughter was by then nine months old. So when I got here uh, to the United States, to Houston, I remember the, the first thing doctor, when they were checking me, they said, well, but we see you have a C-section. How did you dare have a baby? And I said, well, you know, I, I believed in it. I asked God and he gave her to me. They just couldn't believe their eyes. They said, this, this woman is just doesn't know what she's been going through. In that moment, I understood that it was really a miracle for me to be alive myself. And then to have a baby, there was nobody by then that could have, was even alive or having a baby. So that's where my real story started. I understood there that I was an absolute miracle all my life up to that point. But I was there for a reason. I was up to that point when they said, you know, one year ago we started doing something with your heart condition patients. But we've only had surgery with children with three or four years old, never with an adult. But this is what you need. You need a surgery urgently. So we're going to we're going to do uh, this kind of surgery on you. Do you agree? And then when they found out I had a baby, they said, well, it's not. we're not only need to save uh, uh, the life of this woman, but also for the mother of this little baby. So it was like a more complex situation they were encountering then. But I, I went into the, this uh, open heart surgery for the first time in my life when I was 24. Nobody believed their eyes. I was... I was in such a good condition in spite of whatever I had gone through. 
But the surgery, the surgery went well, but of course with a lot of complications. So when I was there, um, after the surgery, I came back, but then things got complicated. There was a lot of liquid around my lungs, liquid, um, it was fluid uh, around my heart. And I, the heart was having a very hard time beating and my lungs breathing. So suddenly oxygenation started dropping. I was already in the room by then. So they had to bring me back to intensive care. And they found out that there was a, all of my lungs, my my heart, and they needed to get it out instead of trying. They were going to try to get it out for me not to go into another surgery. So they took me to this uh, place and then they were trying to, through the surgery, trying with, with a needle, trying to get all the fluid out. When they were trying to do that by accident, which I know now it's, there's no accidents in this world. There's nothing that's really, that doesn't happen for a reason. They accidentally punched, pinched my heart. So my heart was bleeding. And then I did need to go urgently to surgery. So in that moment, it was probably seconds when I went into this room and up to all the way to the operating room. I don't know how long did that take, probably 30 seconds, probably one minute, I don't know. But in that time, I, re I recall that after many years, I saw Russell again. In that, before I went there, I understood that it was serious. So I remember my family coming, everybody, you know, you start signing papers, you don't even know what you're signing. But you need to sign consent. My husband signed the consent, my parents came and they called everybody, please come. This is surgery, we need to go into a surgery. Say goodbye to your brother. So they called him all in. I said, I talked to them and I said, I'll see you later. But my mother was crying. My husband was with, with an office, like, what's happening now? And in that moment, I understood that I might die. So I remember talking to God and saying, you know, I understand this is serious. If this is my time, it's okay. I'm ready. Just please, I just beg you, take care of my daughter, take care of my husband and my parents. But if there's the minimum chance, if there's a chance I have to see my daughter again, please let me see her again. And that moment is when Rafael appears. And I, the first words I remember saying, oh, long time no see. Everything is telepathic, you know. You're, you're just talking to these beings there with, without uh, needing words. But I knew I was talking to him. And I said, Rafael, please, please, if there's a way I can see my daughter again, that's the only thing I want. I just want to see her again. Because it had already been more than a month without seeing her. Please give me a chance to see Ana Paula again. So finally, I went into the operating room. They take your my clothes off. Everything was so aggressive because it was an emergency, you know. So they tied my hands and they put some gas, some oxygen on my face. And the last thing I remember is Ana Paula my daughter's name. So when I came back to that surgery, I remember listening to these voices and a lot of uh, people around and I didn't understand if there were nurses, but I remember listening to them saying, oh, poor lady, she's so young and she's gonna lose, she's not gonna make it and she's got uh, a daughter, she's just a baby. And I was like, wait a minute, but I'm here. Uh, what are you talking about? I'm not listening to everything. Why are you saying those things? I didn't understand that I was really in a very critical situation. They just thought I was sleeping probably. 
So when I understood that I was alive and I was in intensive care, I remember very well that I was sort of awake, but two nurses were supposed to take care of me. So I knew I was alive. I was in this world, but I was in a very critical situation. So I remember very well one of the nurses coming to me uh, uh, saying, you know, I'll, I'll be back. Are you okay? I'll be back. I'm going to go and see my boyfriend at McDonald's downstairs. And then the other nurse who was supposed to be there in intensive care with me. So I remembered all these details because they were very important for me because of what happened next. So she said, okay, so I'll be back. I'll just get a little bit of water and I'll be back, a sip of water. So maybe I took, uh, I, I don't know, probably five steps away from me. In that exact moment, I suddenly had respiratory arrest and then a heart arrest after some time. So I was connected, I was intubated. So the machine starts, there's this big noise that starts sounding like, like an ambulance inside a room. Wee, 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 because there was no oxygen getting in my body. So uh, suddenly everybody starts coming in, the respiratory team, they start shouting, respiratory, come in, come in. And I just remember struggling because my hands were tied to my bed for me not to get a tube away. And I was, I was tied there. I remember uh, moving my legs. I was just kicking hard just to try to get air into my lungs. I couldn't do it. I, I tried. And suddenly I just left. So I remember seeing everybody there. All the doctors, they were just trying to bring me back. But I felt like my body suddenly, uh, my my soul coming, I, I was coming out of my body. I was, I was someone, that's why we call my hands, my body, my spirit, my, because we are something else in this body. So I remember seeing myself coming out of that body and looking at all the doctors around my table, the, the, where I was in the, in the, in the room, and they were trying to bring oxygen back to me. Because before this happened, I remember them taking taking the tube out. What had happened is that a phlegm blocked the, the tube. And some minutes before that, I had told them that there was something bothering me. Because I had already been intubated. This was the second time in that same month. So uh, they said, of course, there's a tube in you. Don't worry, you're okay. But I was just trying to tell them there was something wrong. So yes, this tube was not, was not correctly put for some reason, and now I understand why. So it blocked the oxygen completely in this phlegm, and I was out of my body. So I remember seeing them, everybody around. It was like a whole army around my body trying to bring me out. They did electroshock, they were doing lots of things. But in that moment, I just turned around someplace else and started crawling. And what I call it, I wrote a book which uh, is called When Life is Not Forever. Where I explain what, what, what happened to me is that for some people it's like a tunnel. For me, it was like if I entered into this tree and I was in, inside it, floating. So I, I left that, but it's not that I didn't know that was happening to my body. But you know, you center your awareness. My concentration was completely to this, looking at this beautiful and amazing experience. So I was experimenting something that I was being aware of 
everything around me. So I centered my attention to different things. I never got my awareness, never forgot that I was, my body was traveling, but also I started looking, my, I centered my awareness to the, this experience. So I was following and suddenly I see little animals, rabbits, uh, little, little squirrels, beautiful dogs, all of these little beautiful animal kingdom. And I was just looking at them in such a, with different colors. The colors were so brilliant. It was so beautiful looking at this scenery. I was just floating. I, I couldn't control all of this. I was just being an expectator of all this beauty. So I kept on floating and then I see bigger animals. I saw a giraffe, a tiger, a lion, all of these beautiful. And I even had a chance like to caress them. It was like if there, I was, I could even connect with them with my eyes. Since then, my respect for animals, for animals' kingdom, for everything is, has changed absolutely. And this means that I know that we're all here for a reason. And the, the fact that we're, that we're part of this whole kingdom is for us to respect each other. Even though there's a chain we, we all follow to survive, that doesn't mean we do not respect the way we should treat each other. Because back then I remember looking them in the eyes and, and I had a different connection to this animal. I kept on floating. Just imagine going up this inside this tree. But it was like branches, all of these branches around. And I felt so much love for these animals. It's like if they were part of me, I, I didn't feel disconnected from any of them out of all the way around. It was like if I was part of them and I was just getting back to them. I kept on floating and then I saw children, little children, babies running all around. It was all this scenery was like if it was like if you were in a forest, everything was nature. I could see trees, uh, um, rivers, uh, lakes, waterfalls. I could hear birds all the time. There was this beautiful, enormous uh, background of uh, nature, beautiful. And some people have asked me, so how far could you look in these branches? There was, it was infinite. I couldn't see an ending on this, but I knew it was like branches with different levels. So I started to understand that there were different levels of awareness. And then I, I kept on floating. And then I saw people uh, around my age. And there were lots of uh, people that they were like, I, I've never met them, I thought. But it was like if it was family for me. That I, I was feeling welcomed by all of them. And I felt so much love, like if they were, okay, welcome home. And I, I, I could speak to them just with my with my uh, brain. I, I didn't need to talk, but I knew they were talking, welcoming me. And I, I saw different groups of people gather, gathering together. Like if some of them were just enjoying, some of them were like having classes, schooling. But it was this magnificent scenery. All of these people that brought me so much peace. There was so much peace with this. So... While this was happening, remember that I told you that the only thing I asked, I want to see my daughter again. So when this was happening, I could turn around then I centered my awareness to the world, to my world. And then I saw my parents. They were in, I, there was no way I could know this. 
I was saw my parents praying a rosary in the in the waiting room because they were so worried because they knew I, I was going through something very difficult. And then I saw my husband that was running up and down the stairs of the building. How could I know that? And I saw him just being so stressed that he was just going. He was about a 24 level four building and he was just going up the stairs. And then on the other hand, I saw my siblings where one of them was at work, the other one was at home. And then I centered my attention and I saw my dog. I finally saw her. She was there with some someone I didn't even know she was with. She was with my Aunt Martha. My Aunt Martha is my mom's sister. Somebody had taken her there. I had left her in Monterey, and she was taking care of her. And I saw her, the way she was dressed. I saw her playing in, in a crib. And I said, it's just okay. For the first time in my life, I understood what detachment was about. I didn't need to hold her, to touch her, to know that she was okay. I asked to see her, and I saw her. And my heart was happy. And my heart was filled with love for her. And I said, she's okay. She's going to be okay. There was no attachment like needing, oh, but I need to go back and take care of her. No, it was suddenly I felt completely free from the attachment to people to things, even to my own daughter. This was amazing, and I needed to share this the way I was feeling it. So I kept on flowing while this was happening. So as I tell you, everything was happening at the same time. It's not that it was different moments. Everything was happening. I, I Doctors were doing this on my body. My parents were praying. My, my siblings were doing that. My daughter was being taken care of. And then I was enjoying the scenery. So suddenly... I centered my attention back to this experience, beautiful experience. So I kept on floating and suddenly I saw older people, but I understood that it was not old in age. It was probably in, in knowledge, in, in state of awareness. I saw that this was wise people. They were, they were like the masters. I got information from them that was so wise. And I could just, they turned around and see me with a smile of welcoming me there. But I, I, I could hear other conversations, but it's like they were not talking precisely to me, but I, I could connect with those things only by, with my head. So another thing is like, how was my body? I don't know if I had a body. I just knew it was a spirit body. And it was, I was whole. I was complete. I didn't need anything else. I knew it was me. So when I saw these beings, these masters, these beautiful, uh, very elevated souls, that's what I think they were. Uh, I kept on floating and suddenly I looked up and there was a, like this big circle, uh, yellow, pale yellow. And I just wanted to enter there. I was just floating, but there was this need to get in there. And in the moment I, I started getting into this, this light, an amazing, brilliant light embraces me completely. So I didn't, my body or my soul didn't went all the way in. I was just like stuck in the middle. And just imagine that you open a door, that there's a lot of wind out there. You open a door and you feel this wind completely covering you like, and it, 
you, I felt like like an electricity all over my body. So, but I was, I was in a place that this embrace, I felt an embracement of love, full of light. It's like all this light embraced me with these beautiful arms. And I, the only thing I remember there was, this is the purest love I've ever felt in my life. And one day I really want to go back and feel that again. So by then, in that moment, I remember feeling a hand on my head. And I couldn't see anything, but I felt and I still hear this voice in my head saying, stay calm and go in peace. This is not your time and you do everything I've told you. In that same second, I started returning through all these levels. I just told you very, very fast. It was like I was swirling all around and around. And I felt the moment I came back to my body. And I hear this. This is true. What, what doctors, you see, we see this in movies that all these electronics start up. Beep, beep, beep. Well, it is true. I started listening to this. And doctors shouting, she's back. She's back. And I remember feeling these electroshocks in my body, all this warm. It was burning my chest. And I remember going in circles, 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 because of the lack of oxygen. It was it was several minutes I was out, and then they brought me back. But you know, the first thing I felt, my first sensation was, what are these doctors doing? I was I didn't know I was dying. So I said, I'm finally sleeping, and they want to wake me up. They're so selfish. They're so selfish. I was very, very upset. I didn't want to go back, and I remember them shouting, we're losing her again, we're losing her. What I wanted without even understanding, I just wanted to go back to that place. I wanted to go and continue experiencing that amazing, and I wanted to talk with all these beings, I wanted to get more information. I just wanted to get back to there, back there, and explain to me what is it that you told me. I wanted to detail everything, I wanted to go back, so I was told by a doctor a year later after I tried to investigate everything that happened that night that they took more than half an hour to stabilize me because I went into a heart arrest several times because I was really trying to go back. I didn't know that I was dying. But my soul, my spirit just wanted to go back there. But, but I had not listened well when I said, this is not your time. Do everything I've told you. So when I finally got stable, there was a doctor that was there the whole night with me because my heart was very unstable. I was really in a very critical condition. It resulted that all the fluid in my lungs and around my lungs and inside and out uh, around the heart, it was filled of, of, uh, of a, this tremendous infection. So uh, I... My siblings, my, my parents and my husband, you know, this is very serious. We don't think she's going to make it. But I remember that night when I was there, that I had just come back. They gave me a little a little notebook so I could write because I was with my hands tied. And that was the way I communicated because I was in jail. So I asked him, what happened? Because nobody asked me. And then I asked again to another nurse and I asked him, but tell me, where was I? 
So there are more simple well, you went into a difficult situation, but you're at the hospital. You're okay, everything's gonna be fine, just just calm down. They just wanted to see my state of awareness. So next morning, they told my parents and my and my husband and everybody that this was a very serious infection that if they didn't get the required antibiotics, reactions, and if they didn't do it on time, it was already all around my blood. So they told them, please get your paperwork ready. They told my husband. She was she came in as a as an unmarried with her last name was my parents' last name. And if you want to take her out, you're not gonna be able because she needs to have your last name. It was just like that's everything they told them while I was just trying to understand where I had been. So next morning they woke me up a little bit and everybody was around me. I saw a very sad faces. And then I remember the doctor telling me. Hey, Anna, uh, how are you feeling? They wanted to understand how I was, how all of this lack of oxygen had affected. So I, I turned and did like this, like, uh, very well. I mean, I'm strong. So the doctors at that moment, they thought, you know, I think this affected her brain. Because she's saying that she's just doing fine and strong and she's smiling. I mean, with a tube in there, but I was like very positive. I think she, there's something wrong with her brain. Well, now we know that it wasn't that. And I thank God I survived. But for them, it's very confusing. And it was uh, for them very easy to understand that my brain had been affected. So finally, I was in intensive care for several weeks in a very serious condition. I knew that I was going to leave. But my body was so weak that everybody was really doubting it. I was only in intensive care for about another month. And finally, I, I, when I was extubated, I tried to tell first my sister and then my husband, and I tried to tell people what I had gone through, but it was like nobody listened, nobody understood, nobody was really well, you're a very serious condition. I mean, what are you talking about? And I remember uh, many moments when my, when doctors came in my room, when my husband was there, and they asked him to go out with him to explain to him how serious condition I was, and that I, that they were really doubting that I was going to make it. I remember telling him, you know, I don't want you to go out. I need you to believe in me. I need you to believe that I'm going to live. But it was difficult because really everything told the doctors that my condition was not going to be recovering. So one night, that's that's when everything changed up here. I had gone through that. Nobody was listening to me. I remember one night that I was really very upset. I was sad. I was tired, very tired. And I just wanted to see my daughter. You know, there, there was no cell phones. There was no way I could see her or talk to her or videos. There was nothing back then. We're talking about uh, 1989. There was no way but a phone, phone call and, and you had to go and take the cord, you know, all the way to your bed. It was, everything was so different back then. But I remember one day that I was crying. My sister was there with me. And I just turned all my eyes to heaven and I said, you know, God, I'm tired. Please, please heal me. Come on, Raffle. I mean, I, I have to get out of here. I'm just tired. But I was crying so hard. And the problem was that my lungs were so filled with fluid 
that I needed to exercise every day and it really hurt for me to go back to that. Now, when I started crying, my lungs started filling in with air. But I remember this was one of the most amazing experiences I had after this. Looking in heaven, and then I saw like once one beautiful light coming in my right, and another one coming on my left. I believe they were angels. And then I felt I was sobbing, I was really crying, very desperate. And I remember one of them started to clean me, my face, my body, and my sister was there, and suddenly I just started to look at my hands. Okay, so what's happening? And she just looked at me like, because she was expecting that I was crying. But she suddenly saw that I was just turning to see everything around me. And I saw how they were cleaning me. I don't remember seeing them with wings or, or feet. They were just floating. And they were, one of them was on my right, another one was on my left. They cleaned me completely. And I went into a very deep sleep. Well, next morning, I, my sister left. They were only allowed to be there for, for, for an hour, and she had to leave. I went into a big sleep for hours. So when I woke up next morning, very early in the morning, I received a phone call. They said, you know, there's somebody that really needs to talk to you. Are you okay? I couldn't even hold the phone with my hands because I was so, so sick and so weak. And I said, yes, yeah, send her in. I mean, send the phone in, the phone call in. So they put the phone on my ear, and she says, you know, I had a dream with you. There was a friend I hadn't seen for years and years. I had a dream about you last night, and I dreamt that two angels came and healed you. And they heal you completely, and you're going to be out of the hospital soon. If I would have been able, I would have jumped and said, I, I had this experience last night. So I told, told her, and I was so tired, and we had to hang up. Well, to make the story short, a few days later, I was out of intensive care. And five days later, I was out of the hospital. This just came and killed me. This for me has been probably one of the most amazing experiences I've, I've experienced. And after that, I understood that I was here for a purpose. I was finally able to see my daughter. I was, well, she's now 35 years old. She's a beautiful soul. She's a beautiful being. I adopted a son some years after I went out of my surgery. He's now 32. I had a full life, a full beautiful life. So what I can tell you with this is that I'm sure that the reason I was back, one of the things I can assure you is that my fear for death is completely gone. I'm not afraid of dying all the way around. I, I would love to go back to that day when I had this amazing encounter with all of these beautiful beings, with my family. I felt the love I have never felt before. And I know that there is heaven. There is a beautiful place that we're going to go later on. But you know, one of the things I learned is that we can connect to that world now. We don't need to have these kind of experiences to be able to connect to the spiritual world. So I learned how to do it. I understood that one of the reasons I was I was back here is to share with people how to get back home. And how do we get back home? It's not getting back home to heaven or dying. It's going back home, which is inside us, getting to really know who we are as human beings. We are amazing, beautiful spiritual beings that have a lot of wisdom inside of ourselves. 
and that we can connect to the spiritual world. Because after all these events, I started having a lot of dreamings, revelating dreams. I had a lot, I started to have a lot of psychic experiences where I could definitely communicate and feel things and know things before they even happened. And in these dreams, I had a lot, not, not one or two. At least I have a hundred of these dreams written down where I communicated with people that had already passed that gave me very spiritual messages. And this is for a whole new talk, talking about all these dreams. But what I want to tell you with all this is that we are definitely beings. All of us are special beings that are in this earth, in this world for a reason. We come here to learn and to make the best out of it. What are we doing with this experience that we are offered is our decision. We decide if we become victims. I could have been a victim a long time ago. I said, poor me, look how I was born because all of my nails, now they're beautiful, but my nails were completely purple when I was a little girl. My lips, everything was, I mean, my, my body, my looks were not, were not pretty. And I could have become a victim, but I decided to listen to that inner voice of my dad. What if God has another plan? And I believe that we all have a very special one. So to discover it and to get back home is to go inside and understand what is it that I'm here for. And one of the things I can leave you with is that anything that you do naturally, if it is singing, if it is talking, if it is doing broadcasts, being a good YouTuber, TikTok, anything you know that you can do natural and to make this world a better world because of what you share, because of what you do for others, because of the way you serve others, that's part of your purpose. Don't expect to do these majestic things that make you differentiate yourself from others. Sometimes it's in the little details that we make it. So I understood from this beautiful near-death experience, and I invite you all to look at inside, and maybe we, we have all had spiritually transformative experiences that we don't even know. Conversations, sometimes have you ever, I'm sure we've all had these moments where you think about someone and they call you, or when you remember somebody that passed, make sure that that's, that person is giving you information. I'm convinced that we're all here in this world for a beautiful reason. But it's our decision what to make it out of this. And now, as I told you, I'm now 58, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to tell my age because I thought I was going to die when I was probably 9, 10 years old. And getting old is not only a privilege, but it's, it's not everybody receives. So if you're here, if you're alive, is because there's a purpose for your life. There's a, a way to get back home to your knowledge, to your wisdom, to your encountering your, your inner self. And what I'm telling you about that I'm not afraid of death is because death is only another, just as natural as born, but the only thing that dies is our body. What I saw was my body. I can tell you I saw my body my hands, my my siblings, my but it is my I am not that. I'm not my body. I'm much beyond that. Fall in love with your inner self. 
get to know that you are loved, you are really here for a beautiful reason, and I invite you to really appreciate life and enjoy life to the fullest. Because being alive, being here, it's a beautiful gift. Enjoy it to the fullest, and I hope you have given you a little bit of the many, many gifts that I've received in this beautiful world. Thank you for listening to me, and thank you for having me here with you.